Hi there, global citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around manifesting a new world. I'm your host, Florence Adu, and I'm coming to you with part two of my conversation with Erica Daniel. She is a global health leader with personal and professional experiences spanning the globe. As an enhancement to her work in the public health sector, she pursued a certification in sex and relationship coaching through the Somatic Institute. In her coaching, she serves as a catalyst to change the narrative on how sex, relationships, and love are viewed, particularly by those of African descent and Christian backgrounds. She dismisses the stigma that sex positivity equates to promiscuity, instead embracing the joy of natural sexual energy and expression. She channels her passion for this into the organization she founded for the love of Fufu, an Accra-based project operating on the premise that most people want to be an active part of their social experience. It brings a new style to how people connect and make lasting memories by curating highly interactive and engaging events around traditionally taboo topics. She also is the lead curator for Global Luminary Consulting, where her objective is to help everyday normal individuals travel the world the way it best fits them. She's a stamped and sealed global citizen, and I'm happy to present you with part two of my conversation with Erica Daniel. Let's jump right back in. Let's take a step back. So I want to give our listeners a little bit of context. So Erica and I have interacted because one of the things she hasn't mentioned, so she's been working in, in Ghana for some time. She's also worked with USAID on some global health projects, et cetera, et cetera. So we've, we've interacted. But how you came to mind as a guest is because our mutual friend and also a Google Citizens, a, a former guest, uh, Stacey Enyam, we were talking about Gwyneth Paltrow's new series, Sex, Love, and Goop. I think that's the name of it, right? It's on Netflix. And mm-hmm. so in that conversation, we were just like, you know, going through it and just like, yeah, it was quite interesting, you know, particularly because what we appreciated, or I definitely appreciated, was that one of the feature couples that was very, I mean, informative was the Black couple. I won't be a spoiler, but there's many different types of couples. There's a black couple, you know, a lesbian couple. Yeah, a few lesbian couples, but an older couple. So it it, it ran the gamut of different types of couples, which was well curated in that regard. But so we watched the show, talked about it, and she said, you know, you might want to invite Erica on as a guest. And so I want to talk more about how your experience becoming a trained sex therapist, because that is something that you know, not many people do it. And then how you actually apply that craft on that individual basis, like how you work with clients and the general roadmap. Yes. So shout out to Stacy because she's amazing. And Sex, Love and Goop is also a really well done miniseries by Gwyneth Paltrow and her team at Goop and highly recommend it as well. I would say for my journey, it was pretty straightforward. So I got enrolled at an institute that is specific for sex and relationship coaches. And they go through a curriculum that basically gives you the different elements of what it means to be a sex and relationship coach. And so that is from dealing with embodiment to dealing with passion, to dealing with fantasies and sex and all the different myriad of things. In order to be certified, you have to go through another round of training 
that's more in depth. You have to actually engage with clients. You have to be giving coaching sessions that follow a full arc of a session that shows that you have a mastery of the skill and you have more intensive courses that you have to do that come with basically ensuring that you know how to attune and really listen to what people are bringing to you. Mm. My role as a coach isn't to point out a flaw in you. Mm. My role as a coach is to help you achieve a particular goal. How do we get you to that goal? Mm -hmm. And so it's really mastering that first. And it's so important because I will be honest, I am a fixer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am a fixer. Mm -hmm. If you are crying on the side of the road, I am the one who's going to stop, get out of my car, give you a hug and be like, what do you need? How can I help? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it burdens my heart when I see people sad or upset Mm. or feeling misunderstood, you know, and I just want to, how do I make it better? How do I make it better? Well, in the world of a coach, you cannot operate as a coach if that is your sole purpose, Mm. because you actually don't allow people to grow and to reach the goals that they need and that they see Mm -hmm. as like helping them get to the next level and step. Mm -hmm. Like, how does that show up in relational? How do you handle traumatic responses? How do you walk people through? And how do you not fall into the gap of a therapist who is someone who's been clinically trained to help people maneuver through certain tasks and traits? How do you recognize when someone needs to be in therapy versus when somebody is able to move through a coaching system, Mm -hmm. which it helps them get to Mm -hmm. a certain goal? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the steps that were taken in order to allow me to become a coach. But the hallmark of being a coach is that I actually have to give a full session to the founders of the institute, which I did mm. my training. And I have to demonstrate to them a mastery of the skill set of what's been learned. And it isn't a test, so it's not a regurgitation exercise by any means. It is full on a session. They come in with a real life issue or problem. I have to meet them where they are. I have to sense, I have to feel, I have to gauge, and I have to help them work through what is being presented from the approach of a coach that empowers, that embodies, and that guides. Not someone who says, do this, don't do that. Not someone who is shaming and not someone who is belittling. Mm, mm, That's amazing. I really, I feel like every adult probably needs a sex and relationship coach, (laughs) you know? Yes. Every (laughs) adult, and you know, and it, and the earlier, the better, probably, you know, I think so many divorces would probably, you know, a lot of people, and this is not to say that the the counseling, so a lot of people getting married in churches, they have to go through this counseling session, or they, they choose to go through counseling sessions at the church. And I think some of it might be addressed, but by the nature of it being the church, I have a feeling that a lot of this sex and relationship stuff is not addressed. So some people get a little bit of insight on that, you know, they they probably get, you know, financial planning, things like that. But where we have this real, just as you said, if you grew up not having a vocabulary around intimacy, around knowing, even knowing your body, we already know that so many women don't even know all parts of their body. They have never looked at their vagina. They have never felt their vagina. You know, the idea of a tampon is a sin, you know? So that in itself, I just feel like 
in transforming the knowledge sector. This is something that we really, really, really need to to really consider. When you say that you focus on particularly Africans and Africans, Christian Africans, how have you been received? How have, how are you breaking down those walls? I am not received very well for most, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people perceive that when you come through and say you're an intimacy coach, Mm -hmm. that you're there to tell people how to have better sex. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that is why I'm here. I'm not just here so that you have better sex. I'm here so that you communicate your desires so that your fantasies can Mm -hmm. be lived out, but also so that you find the words that allow you to experience pleasure, that you find the words that keep you in connection with your partner. And so that's not me giving you a sex position. That's me giving you the tools to show a partner Mm -hmm. a sex position you're interested in. That's me giving you the tools to speak up when something is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's me giving you the tools to, you know, gently or in a loving way, communicate a boundary. You can say, hey, all right, we had a conflict, but I recognize that you need to walk away for an hour or two. I'm going to give you that space. Let's come back in an hour or two. And I promise I won't continue to come at you. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. I will honor that you need a minute to think Mm -hmm. before we talk about it. And so what happens often in the religious community is there's just so much preconceived judgment on what something is that they never make space to fully know or understand the completeness or the wholeness of the service. And so what I end up having to do is connect mostly on individual levels than on group levels or the systemic level. Mm -hmm. And so when I work with Christian men, for example, oftentimes, and it's not just Christian men, men in general, they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, and they definitely don't feel that there's a place for them to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Men carry so much weight on their shoulders, especially Mm -hmm. African men, Mm -hmm. from having to provide for their families. God forbid their fathers are deceased and they're the oldest male child. Where now the weight of the family they feel falls on their shoulders. Then they have Mm -hmm. to provide for their own home. Maybe there was an issue at work. Maybe there's issues with the income that's coming in. But hey, my sister's school fees still need to be paid. You know, how do they come home and say to their life, like, this is really what's happening. No, there's this idea, this persona that they have to just carry it all, right? Mm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to carry it all when you're married. You should be able to speak to your spouse about what is going on in your life. You should be able to set boundaries with your family about what you can and can't do and still stay connected and engaged and love. You should be able to ask work, children, spouses, siblings for what you need, but they're Mm -hmm. not given the space to show up in that way. So I work Mm -hmm. with them to first and foremost, nurture Mm -hmm. and remind them that you are enough, you are worthy, you are seen, you are heard, and you are loved. And Mm -hmm. once that's replenished, then we're really able to get to the root of what's been going on for so long and figure out how to get them to that place of being reconnected and not burdened Mm. with the 
differently with sex, with marriage, with children, with work, with church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I um I have this idea that eventually we'll implement on the ground, but I really am curious in your work, do you ask the question, what is love to you? If so, what are some of the responses? I actually don't ask that question in my work. Mm-hmm. And okay. the reason I don't ask that question is because I guess for me, love is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Love should be your joy. It should be your pain. It should be your patience, your jealousy. And so maybe I don't ask it because instead what I ask is, you know, beyond what you want to work on, but often how do you see yourself? How do you feel Mm -hmm. in your skin? And how Mm -hmm. do you think the world sees you? Mm -hmm. And it's sad, but most people start out with pain. How do you see yourself? Oh, you know, I'm too fat. I'm not where I want to be at this stage of my life. I've had many failures. I'm not good at staying in relationships. Um, I'm always really tired. Mm. It's just all the negative things. It's all the negative things. And when you ask, well, how do people see you? Oh, you know, people see me as trustworthy. People see me as kind. People see me as very giving. People see me as, you know, approachable friendly. And so then you get a little bit more of the positive attributes. But if you've listened to where they started with how they see themselves and how people see them, you actually see how that positive thing that they find that people see about them is contributing to the negative thing that they see about themselves. Mm. Tell us more about that. So if, if, if everyone sees you, oh, I get it. It's the burden. It's so the boundaries, exactly. Them as this, then they feel burdened or they feel they have to now perform in that space. And that may not be how they really want to show up. Yeah, so it's typically an indication that there is, there's a boundary issue happening. So mm. you could be extremely friendly and you can be extremely approachable, but that doesn't mean that you want to stop and have an hour-long conversation with someone that you're not really that close with when you know you have a work deadline that you need to get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. you're friendly and approachable and oh, people just come and tell me everything, you almost feel like, okay, well, let me just hear it out. They probably don't have anywhere else they could speak to. So, all right, I'll sacrifice on my time and I'll stay up all night now and finish this work deadline so that this person... Mm-hmm can tell me all about what's going on in their life for an hour. Whereas if you were able to enact your boundaries, you would be Mm -hmm. able to say, I would love to have this conversation with you, but unfortunately I have a work deadline that I really need to make sure I meet. Good to see you. Shoot me a message and we'll see if we can catch up then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so straddling working, I'm, I'm assuming you have clients in the U.S. as well as Ghana. Do you see a cultural difference in the way like that in particular? You know, do you find that Ghanaians have less boundaries or it's just people in general? It's people in general. It's mm-hmm. definitely people in general. You see other type of cultural issues or cultural things at play. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's a lot that happens in the overall Black community when it comes mm-hmm. to gender socialization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I like that you pointed out that men 
typically, you know, they struggle quite a bit. And so do you find that your clients are often men? Because I would assume that it's mostly women, but do you find that it, or, I mean, and sometimes couples, I guess, but this is more individual coaching. So what's the balance of men versus women that come to you? So love this question. You are hundred percent right. Most of my clientele are women. I just have a desire to work more so with men. Okay. A lot of men don't know this is what they need. So they don't know yes. to look for it. Yes. Right. And so right. when I'm in different spaces, I like to speak through it, but they also get caught up a little bit in the name and the title. So you know, I'm often introduced as an intimacy coach and it's like, oh, I would be intimate with you. And it's like, yes, yes, you will. Let's start that process now. And then, you know, in the coffee shop or wherever they start crying and they're like, what have you done to me? And I'm like, we were intimate. This is, you said you wanted to be intimate with me. We're intimate. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. So speaking of a mind shift and and things like that, this is mindset hack time. So what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? And one that you can imagine or one that you know of one that you practice? So a mind shift hack that I practice is every single day I start off and I write 10 things that I am and 10 things that I'm grateful for. And Mm. I also write two things that I consider daily wins. And those daily wins typically come from things that happened the day before. And so for me, these are really important because I look at, wow, this is something that made me feel really good yesterday. Like I got to spend time with this person or, oh, I got to try this new restaurant or I got my hair done. And then the I am things, I read them out loud. So I am powerful. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am a wife of noble character. So I hear myself say what I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the I am grateful for statements. You know, sometimes I write, I'm grateful for coconut water. I'm grateful for rain. I'm grateful for tears. I'm grateful for new friendships. And I say that out loud as well. So I, I never lose sight of what gratitude is. Mm, mm, I love that. So affirmations, it's an affirmation and gratitude practice that you daily. Yep. Yeah. And so do you keep those in a journal and do you go back and reflect on them sometimes? I do. So instead of creating a vision board, I create a vision journal and you just saw me looking around because I I was like, oh, is it nearby? But it's a little bit farther. (laughs) And so I write it in, in there. I write it in my vision journal. And so on the front is like, the same as what a vision board would look like. And that is also a daily reminder of where I'm going this year. These are the things I said I wanted to achieve in the year, Mm -hmm. having faith in what I'm manifesting, what I'm putting my energy behind is all in the space that I said, this is where I'm going in this year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Timing is we're at the beginning of the year, so that's uh, I'm sure you've just gone through a practice of of looking over those things. Mm-hmm. So speaking of, what can we expect from the love of fufu in 2022? So in 2022, for the love of fufu, is just going to be more of exactly who we are. You can expect finally in person experiences. Yes. So we're really excited to bring back our in person experiences. That will be on topics that are taboo that we believe need to be had. So you can think about, oh, 
don't don't get too afraid, but LGBTQI plus <laughs> conversations mm-hmm. that will mm-hmm. be happening, religious conversations that will be happening, financial conversations that will be happening. And then, of course, we'll be hosting at least one large scale foo-foo party as well, which is really exciting. Okay. Okay. I like to hear that. I'll be looking forward. I'm back in Ghana next month. I can't wait. I'm over here shivering. (laughs) So, so I'm looking forward to that. So let me ask you aside when you're not working, when you're not counseling, when you're not being a travel consultant or a, or a intimacy coach, who is Erica? What is she, what is she about? What does she do? Erica is a lover of life and people and just fluid. And so you can find her some days at places on the beach, at high-end restaurants. You can find her at the chop bar. You may find her dancing on the salsa floor. You may find her serving the poor, giving back to orphanages. So she is just a true giver of life and love. Okay. And so are you a reader? Are you a watcher? Or you consider yourself a listener? A mix between a reader and a watcher. Okay. And what are, what are some of your favorite recent readings and watchings? So Mating in Captivity by um, Esther Perel has been ah, a very good reading. I love her. Yeah. So good. Uh-huh. Come As You Are uh, by Emily Nagoski, another mm-hmm. really good reading. And then my favorite reading every year is The Four Agreements oh, okay. by Don Miguel Ruiz as mm-hmm. well. Just definitely mm-hmm. something good to keep. Okay. And okay. then watchings is just, oh, this is so bad, but like Netflix top 10. I'm like, oh, what's number one this week? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you've watched Don't Look Up, I'm sure. Yes. And I was like, why did I just do that? <laughs> why was that your impression? Um, it was definitely a parody. It felt much deeper on a lot of levels of and and parallels to the COVID situation and things that are happening. Uh, it was a bit dark. It was funny, lots of dry humor, but it was also really dark. Oh yeah. And long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it forces you to think about what would I do if I, if that were happening, you know, and I was thinking, I was like, these people, they're crazy. Cause I would have been traveling the world. Like just don't make sense to me. I would have been, you know, <laughs> but when you don't believe, when you have to suspend belief, because you know, you, I, it just said so much about the nature of humans and everyone's and getting so it, but they're that recovering. Was, that was very eye-opening. What have I seen as a top 10 series on Netflix lately? I um, think my one of my favorite series is Money Heist, for sure. Oh, okay. Loved yeah, it. everyone's, yeah, that's right. Everyone's watching Money Heist. Love Money <laughs> I Heist. haven't caught it yet, but I'll put it, I'll put it on there. Yeah. Anything else? An older one, well, I say older, it's so like a year old, but Queen's Gambit was also really good. Okay. So we'll put those in the show notes for you Netflix subscribers especially, you know, it's the weekend. So maybe people will catch up on some Netflix and, and chill. <laughs> yes. And then maybe perfect, just right? one more is I May Hurt You. Is it called I May Hurt You? I May, oh, hurt you. I I may, may Destroy, destroy you. you. I May Destroy You, yes, which is HBO, not Netflix. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. Very heavy, mostly. but very real. 
Very. And so one thing that I I wanted to touch on, which I, I didn't, I kind of missed is, you know, what you're working on. And when you mentioned the young women, when you were working in Brazil and not really being engaged in, or um, advocating for themselves in this Me Too culture that has emerged, have you seen or where do you see a space for your work in a corporate context, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of know, really starting, and that's on the business side, like in a corporate context, where do you see your work? Have you seen an uptick? And how do you foresee, you know, maybe marketing yourself in those spaces? Yeah, I love this because, you know, that's something that is really not understood in Ghana Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of just the context and the language of how things are spoken and things are communicated and this idea, again, of gender socialization. And so, I think it's important even when doing sexual harassment training or when talking about domestic violence and allowing people space to know like how to identify when a person needs help or if you're doing a sexual harassment, like what qualifies as harassment, what is and is not appropriate uh, for Mm -hmm. work-based relationships to have an intimacy coach there because oftentimes you don't know the experience others have had. Because you don't know if somebody in the room has done something to them. You don't know if they have experienced something before. And just hearing about the concepts and them having coming to the realization that, oh, I've been a victim of this, or oh, I have been the perpetrator of this, it leads to emotional responses and it can cause people to shut down. It can cause people to act out. It can cause people to become the clown who wants to laugh at everything because they're uncomfortable. So when you have a coach there who's able to recognize these different layers of trauma response, they're able to work with these people to really uncover what has happened and then like rebuild up their confidence in who they are, rebuild up what consent looks like, rebuild up their power. Sure, sure, sure. But what about the perpetrators? Because if they're also in that room, so how do you then work on their mentality? Mm -hmm. It's the awareness. So, Mm. you know, and I want to differentiate here between the U.S. and Ghana, because this is a larger conversation, perhaps in the U.S., where oftentimes men know what they're doing. They know what they're perpetuating, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. On Mm -hmm. On the African context, and maybe I shouldn't speak so broadly, but oftentimes in the African context, there's haven't been the same level of consequence. There hasn't been the same conversation mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. is appropriate or inappropriate touch, what's appropriate or inappropriate terminology to be used, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have a growing middle class that's starting to be activated in Ghana, right? And so now you have these different tiers of employment, you have these different tiers of employees. And so there's different culturalization at all the different levels. And so Mm -hmm. it's a newer conversation that's happening. And it's not to cut down or it's not to take away from culture or tradition. If you come up and pull my hair and it hurts, you pulling my hair hurt. That's the end of the story. But if you come and you pull my hair, just because I didn't tell you it hurt doesn't mean that it still didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. before you come and pull my hair, you now know to think, oh, if I pull her hair, it may hurt. Even if she tells me it didn't hurt, but pulling her hair may cause hurt. Mm. You would be less inclined to just come and pull my hair. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a deep thing to unravel because so much of this is embedded in this patriarchy Mm -hmm. that is systemic. Right. And so, as you mentioned on those different levels, the patriarchy shows itself in different ways because of class empowerment or not empowerment, but just generally this idea that the man makes the decisions. And so the women are whatever. And I mean, I think that having the melting pot that we have in the U.S. context that kind of speaks to that. But obviously in in Ghana, in a culture where it is highly patriarchal, that would play a, a significant role in being able to navigate those conversations and open the minds and the eyes of, of the people you're speaking with. So yeah. very interesting. So do you see that practice or, or organizations seeking that out more? Or is that something that is slowly becoming a thing? I think it's slowly becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can attribute it to the Me Too movement. I'm going to say me yes and no. I think there's Mm -hmm. just been a lot of movement on the global front of just like, what does it mean to disrespect someone's boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. In Ghana, Mm -hmm. there's a huge conversation right now around human rights, specifically with the LGBTQ plus conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I Mm -hmm. think as people are opening up their minds to what that is, they're also like, oh, hey, domestic violence shelter coming up. Huh. So we're finally going to call it what it is. We're not just going to say that's your husband's home. You belong to him. You married to him. Go back to him. Oh, we're going to actually investigate this violence. Oh, spousal rape. We're going to talk about that now. Yeah. Oh, you know, so these different layers are starting to come up in conversation. You're seeing it being enforced on the government level as well. So I think there's just this alignment and awareness overall that's starting to happen in Ghana where people are like, okay, well, how do we consciously do better? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Erica, this has been so wonderful. I'm so happy to have you. And as I've been hinting to my my audience that I'll soon be coming up with some panel discussions, some salons, bringing former guests back to talk about some of these bigger issues, wider mm-hmm. issues. And I hope that you would be among those that I can call back. And before we go, do you have any last words for our listeners today? Yeah. So I know that this has probably been a conversation for some people that may feel like, wow, this girl does way, she does so much. (laughs) How does she keep up? Where does she sleep? And I would just say to people that one quote that I live my life by that I love to impart on others is what would you do? What would you attempt to do if you knew you could not fail? Know Mm -hmm. that it's possible. And even if you fail, you can't fail you can only get closer to your goal. So mm. that's what I would like to leave with your listeners today. It's just to it. do the impossible. Yeah. Yeah, we are limitless. Let's just live it, mm-hmm. live it. Okay. All right, folks. This has been another episode of Local Citizens. You can catch us each and every Tuesday with a new episode at www.glocalcitizenspod.com and wherever you get your podcast. Please recommend a guest, uh, share, subscribe. We love to present you with new content and new individuals and the dynamics of our diaspora every week. And so until next time, bye for now.